Chapter One of Mrs. Solomon Smith Looking On. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mrs. Solomon Smith Looking On by Pansy. Chapter One A Good Listener. She was just the nicest old lady. We were always glad to see her coming down the walk so original we said so good-natured so large-hearted and so quaint in fact we had a long list of sentences beginning with so to describe mrs solomon smith in winter she always had her knitting she had it this afternoon and laura took her crochet and mary her braiding while i gave the block of coal in the grate a vigorous poke and sent the red glow flaming up before I settled myself to enjoy her. "'That's for all the world like some folks,' she remarked meditatively, resting her knitting needle on her lip and staring into the glow on the hearth. "'You have to give them an awful poke every now and then before they set themselves to amounting to anything.' Then she returned to the subject about which Mary had questioned. "'Yes, I went to the Olin Park Sunday School.' I didn't mean to stay over Sunday when I went to town, but the folks were real cordial, and I'll own that I've had a hankering after Sunday schools ever since Solomon was made superintendent. The Olin Park Church is famous, you know, and so last Sunday morning I just went there. It's a great big room, a dozen rooms for that matter, and glass doors shutting you up all alone with your class i'd like that first rate if i was a teacher and they have carpeted floors and cushioned seats and an organ and maps and mottoes and a bell and everything there ain't anything that you can get with money to add to that school i like that too if a work is worth doing it's worth having the tools and the best kind you can get it didn't seem to me a mite too fine for the use they want to put it to but mrs smith interrupted laura who likes nothing better than to get into an argument with mrs smith or for that matter with anybody who is quick-witted what do you think about spending so much money for carpets and cushions and all such things when the missionary boards need money and when so many good things are waiting to be done and can't move on for the want of money well i don't know child said mrs smith there's a chance to make two sides to it i s'pose and a good deal might be said both sides i dare say maybe it ain't just the thing i don't feel over and above sure about it in my own mind and yet i'll own that i hate to see folks coming from their handsome houses in their handsome dresses and setting down on old worn-out cushions with their feet on bare dusty floors as if anything was good enough for the lord it don't seem quite right if they don't have no better than that at home most of em why that's another thing some folks say that there oughtn't to be nice fixed-up churches on account of poor people not feeling to home but it always did seem to me as though that depended on the way they was treated after they got there i ain't never had such a carpet in my hull house as this one in your setting-room and never expect to have but as long as you act real glad to see me and treat me just as well as though my house was all brussels carpets from garret to cellar 
i'll own that i kind of like to step my feet on the pretty vines and flowers and have a good look at them like enough folks feel so in handsome churches as for the money being needed well it's a question i don't understand and it stretches out so many ways i don't know how it's ever going to be understood red cushions in a church ain't necessary maybe but for the matter of that neither is red worsteds and though one don't cost as much as the other if the idea is wrong why it's wrong whether it's pennies waste or a dollars and the whole thing snarls itself up you see and who's going to find the end of it laura bent her head lower over her red worsteds and coughed while mary laughed outright then laura blushing and smiling you needn't laugh mary red worsteds don't cost any more than serpentine braid but what about the olin park sunday school said i oh yes well i liked all the pretty things but i'd agree with laura here about some of the dressing it was too fine for the place you see it seems to me such a different thing from having fine churches if my pew in church is carpeted in green brussels and my seat covered with green velvet or something and stuffed with down i can offer a piece of it to the ugliest dressed woman that comes in and hand her a book and look pleasant at her and make her feel that she has got as much of the softness and prettiness as i have and as good a right to it because it all belongs to the lord but you see if i wear a blue silk dress trimmed with white lace i can't go and spread a breadth of it over her nor make her feel as if it was as much hers as mine know how i fix it don't that make a difference them girls stood side by side some of em in blue silks with knife pleatins and box pleatins and panniers and puffs and with bright ribbons flyin as gay as peacocks and then one in rusty alpaca darned here and there and frayed at the wrists and made like nothing is nowadays and they felt uncomfortable you could see it in their eyes and it didn't look right no child i don't know's i'd have a uniform i don't like sisters of charity ways of doing it nor i don't like the quakers exactly and if i was the matron of an orphan asylum the thing that i wouldn't do would be to have all the dresses and aprons alike you see it doesn't look homelike but the way i'd manage it would be to have all the people have common sense and then pick out their dresses for church with an eye to the best good of everybody and it would be all right this brought a merry laugh from laura that is an excellent way of managing it but how would you arrange it so that all the people would have common sense don't you think it is one of the scarcest things in the country maybe so child with the gravest and most earnest old face imaginable but it's easy got after all if people would only put themselves under the lead of the lord jesus christ they would have common sense as well as everything else maybe though i did those young things injustice but it seemed to me they was so busy fixing the ribbons and shaking out the panniers and admiring the set of their kids that they hadn't room for much else they didn't act like thinking beings that was the trouble i ain't one that expects folks sixteen years old to act as though they was sixty but i did hate to hear them sing jesus keep me near the cross and giggle right at the end of the lines the cross seems such a solemn thing to me i can't make out how the very thoughtlessest of them 
can take the words on their lips with a laugh. It can't be because they are young and frisky. It is some mistake in their bringing up. If one of them had lost a dear friend, and somebody was speaking of it in solemn language, they wouldn't have any trouble in keeping from laughing. I expect I'm an old fogey, but it kind of seemed to me, as I sat there, that some of the hoity-toity singing helped along the giddy feelings. We are soldiers for Jesus, and we'll battle for the right. That's what they sung, loud and strong, four hundred voices. And they didn't look nor act like soldiers. I'm dreadful afraid some of them didn't know the meaning of the words. Sound the battle cry, one of them sang, right in my ears. A loud, shrill voice she had and then she whispered, "'Charlie Perks has got his hair parted in the middle. Did you ever see the like? He'll be wearing an overskirt next.' And then she came into line with the singers, "'Gird your armor on for the Lord.' Now, how could them two thoughts find place in her brain at once? It don't stand to reason, you see. And there she stood, pretending to be singing praise to him, speaking his name. And if her heart wasn't praising, wasn't she taken his name in vain? The whole thing just made me shiver. I couldn't help watching that class of girls the whole blessed time. The visitor's seat ran right along behind theirs, and I never did see such restless beings since I was born. They couldn't keep still in prayer time either. They nudged each other and passed slips of paper down the seat and whispered a little, and this same girl who sang so loud giggled every now and then. Now, Mary, you look exactly as though you would like to say, if I wasn't so much older than you, that I couldn't have been praying myself, or I wouldn't have had time to see all this. That's just as true as you live. I was sort of distracted with the flutter and noise, and I couldn't keep my thoughts anywhere. There again is the question of who is to blame for them girls growing up in that way. You see, the grown-up folks didn't keep as still as they might. The four young fellows who tended to books and papers and such things kept tiptoeing around, up this aisle and down that, and the leader of the singing turned over the leaves of his book, and, if you'll believe it, the superintendent himself seemed to be trying to find his place in the Bible while the minister was praying. Well, they began the lesson. I listened hard then, for Solomon and I have been studying that lesson by spells for the fore part of the week, and I wanted to see what new ideas I could get. And you never see the beat of that teaching in all your life. This is a funny lesson for us, one of them said. I knew all about the birth of Christ when I was a baby. And then they went to discussing. They talked about that star, wondering whether it was a new star or a new look to an old star, and how it looked, and how long it shone the first time it appeared. And then they didn't know a mite more about it, you know, when they got through than they did at first. And then they tried to find out just exactly what part of the East the wise men came from, and how long a journey they took. And then they talked about Herod, and all the wicked things he had said and done, how he murdered his wife, you know, and his children, and how old he was, and how long he had been sick, and what year he died, and everything about him. And then they went back to the wise men again, and they talked about the gold they brought, and wondered how much there was, and in what shape it was, and described frankincense and myrrh, 
and told how one was used for putting around dead folks and the other for burning incense and then if you'll believe it the bell rang i didn't tell you about the bell did i it kept ringing every few minutes there seemed to be something that somebody ought to be warned by that bell to tend to most of the time it would have distressed me if i had been a teacher well it rang this time and that lesson was done you see they had been interrupted lots of times the secretary had come along and the librarian and the treasurer and the boy with the new lesson papers and i don't know what not but i guess they wasn't disturbed it didn't break the thread of their thought you see for they didn't have none to break and that was all them girls got that day out of that lesson what did you and mr smith get out of it mary asked her looking roguish bless you child it is just alive with thoughts them things they talked about was good enough some of them but the teacher didn't get to anything i thought more than a dozen times now she is coming at the thought but she didn't she slipped right around it just as easy how do you suppose now she could have got rid of saying something to them young things about the trouble that the wise men took to find jesus what a long hard journey it was and how much they had to go through and how it is such a simple thing to do that it seems strange that everybody don't do it and there they was so sharp with their answers and knowing so much about history and quoting scriptures and all that why didn't she remind them how much herod's chief priests and scribes knew about history and prophecy and all that and what good did their knowledge do em and when i see them a fluttering there and nudging each other and having so little heart in it i couldn't help wondering whether any of em professed to be a worshipper of jesus had their names on the church book you know and was it real or was it kind of like herod's not so ugly looking but not much more honest then that bright star coming out and guiding them men dear me how could she help reminding her girls that he himself is the bright morning star and stands all waiting for the chance to guide them home and then the gifts how they brought their best to him she didn't say a word about our gifts how our hearts are better to him than all the gold and silver or the cattle on a thousand hills nor a word about the altars where our frankincense ought to be burned every morning and evening nor nothing at all only just the bare facts about herod and the gold and the gums will they be any likelier to find jesus by the help of that teaching where is he the wise men asked and my heart ached to lean over there and ask them girls if there wasn't one among em who would like to know where he was and go and worship him to think that she had a chance to talk about finding him and giving him our hearts and giving him our prayers and being lighted by the star of bethlehem all the journey through and she threw away her chance it made me sick i would like to go to sunday school and be in your class mrs smith laura said this and every touch of humor had gone out of her voice and her eyes shone with tears my class child bless your dear heart i'm nothing but an ignorant old woman i don't know enough to teach a class but if i did try to teach one and had a lesson all about finding jesus and giving the best things to him 
i wouldn't leave both them ideas clean out of sight but there it's easier to grumble than it is to teach i dare say End of chapter 1